It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions and it is getting us into a world of hurt is it freedom or is it force let's have a conversation indeed let's have a conversation and happy monday welcome to the kim munson show it is a new year 2021 i wish each of you a blessed 2021 it looks to me like it's a year to fasten your seat belts we are in historic times but i thank each and every one of you for listening. Uh, Be sure and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And uh, we have all kinds of great information that comes out regarding our most upcoming guests, our most recent op-eds and podcasts. Uh, Rick Turnquist's op-ed is in there, Tyranny and Bankruptcy. I would recommend that you uh, take a look at that and then share that. Uh, We wanted to boost that on Facebook. And guess what? It was denied. So, my friends, we're going to have to do workarounds to get this important information out. I will be publishing. I thought I was going to do it this weekend and uh, ended up it'll be this week, hopefully tonight, uh, regarding Hotel California, the uh, uh, five-star state certification program here in Colorado for our restaurants and our bars and our taverns and our gyms. It is something you can check into, but you can't check out. And, of course, we've had some really interesting things happen with that. Because uh, Governor Polis decided to, just like that, he changed uh, the designation from on that color dial on just how shut down he's going to keep all of our our small businesses. And he changed that. I think it was probably because we reported on New Year's Eve that the Associated Press reported that Colorado has gone from one of the top ten economies in the 50 states to the bottom nine and my gosh, that uh, that certainly is an indication of poor leadership. Producer Steve, happy Monday. Nah, <clears throat> not going to go there. <laughs> it's after, Monday. <laughs> after all that, but uh, here we are. I want to say thank you. Happy New Year to you and this great team I get to work with. That's Producer Steve, that voice you heard. And we have Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, and the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. So uh, what is on your mind this Monday morning, Producer Steve? Well, I just kind of cringed when you said that that particular piece that you have up. uh, We're wanting to put on Facebook, and it was denied. And here we go again. Yeah. Uh, Somebody, I was uh, with some people the other day, and they said that, uh, this is anecdotal, so we need to check this out, but that in Poland, every time big tech censors somebody, they're fined. And I was like, that's a good idea. In order to keep a free press, if you're going to censor stuff, then every time you censor stuff, hit them in the, hit them in the pop, uh, pocketbook. Yeah, but then those bozos are going to turn around and say that their being, you know, rights are being infringed somehow by being fined. They're supposedly the key gatekeepers of truth and information. And you know, we're, we're wanting to drop a fine on them when they deny us. But they'll turn right around and say, "Well, wait a minute, you can't, you can't find us." Yeah, that's you, I, yeah, you're probably right. But we but, have to demand a free press and that, a fair press. That goes to the argument now of ever since the election and how much has been suppressed. And 
I can't remember the actual terminology that's applied to them, but once you, they declare themselves, uh, what is it, a publisher, then all but you know all these rules or your rights are kind of you know put on the back burner in the name of free information, free press. Yeah, it is just it's so interesting what is happening here. Um, let's continue on with some of these things here. First of all, yesterday was the debut of America's Veteran Stories, and that is, uh, I brought it over to KLZ 560 here at the beginning of the year, and our guest was World War II Iwo Jima a veteran. He also fought at the Battle of Tinian and the Battle of Saipan, and that was Jim Blaine. And then Paula Sarles, who is a Vietnam-era veteran, uh, a Marine, she also uh, was our guest. So that was pretty cool. I tell you that that promo that you put together for that took my breath away, Steve. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I just I just do what I do, and I hoped it would sound good. And I'm really happy that you're happy. Yes, and we will be doing part two of our interview with Jim Blaine, and that will be this Sunday, three to four p.m. on KLZ five hundred and sixty and KLZ one hundred point seven. So be sure and take a look at that. It's really interesting. Sorry for cutting in Not- to hear someone like Jim talk because we sometimes think of the veterans whether in the European theater or Pacific theater that they basically did one battle or were in one geographical location this guy was multi-purpose he they just kept on shipping him from place to place to place and fascinating it, it is fascinating this show is a really important show and it's being brought to you by my friend and Patriot, uh, Helen Jean Mitchell, greatly appreciate her sponsorship of the show. Josh Phillip, who is with the Epic Times, he is an award-winning investigative reporter, has uh, done several important pieces. The first thing that we're going to talk about uh, talk about in the third and fourth segment is an interview that he had with Paul Kingor, and it is Abolition of Private Property is the Core of Communism. And that's been a journey that I have been on realizing that we are seeing the uh, abolition of private property with the restrictions on our everyday mom and pop uh, businesses, these restaurants and bars and taverns, everyday people that are working 60, 70, 80 hours a a week to make their businesses go and government has come in, uh, Governor Polis and these uh, bureaucrats and politicians and restricted them and closed them down. And it looks like that may be part of a bigger plan. It's hard to believe. I've talked to people about this and they said, why would politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties want to close down our everyday businesses? Why would they want to take our property? Well, um, I can surmise what it is. Power, greed, money, but it's primarily, I think, power. But that's going to be a really important conversation in the third and fourth segment. Uh, as you know, my friends, we look at these issues as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism ultimately <clears throat> comes down to force. And it is never compassionate to take other people's rights or their property or their freedom or their livelihood via force, whether it's with a weapon, which is how they used to do it in the old days. They'd come in and just rob you. But today's thievery is a little more subtle. It's through policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear. And I need to add in that next one that we haven't really talked about, but when we're printing money the way we are for these big stimulus packages 
And we saw in this last one all of this pork that uh, that was put into this stimulus package. It was 5,000 pages. There was ne- not enough time for representatives to read it. It is irresponsible. But the other one is the, the secret one, and that is inflation. How people, and what it does is people that have worked and they've saved uh, through inflation, the value of their dollar is eroded. And so it is a really sneaky way uh, that we have PBIs uh, taking people's money, Steve. There, the despicable aspect of all this is that these people, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to come together with this legislation to provide some relief. And all these desk drawers start flying open and they start pulling out all their pet projects. That's That, to me, is despicable. It has nothing to do with providing you know any type of relief to people who have been impacted. Well, and the real relief would be open up the economy. People don't want a handout. Uh, they want to be able to get back to work. And that's what we need to do is open our, uh, our economy back up without restrictions. Now, remember, as we engage in, in these battle of ideas, if something is a good idea, then you should not need force to implement it. And socialism ultimately comes down to force. And Walter, one of our uh, listeners reached out to me and he says, I've never hear anyone really say that socialism actually acts like a parasite as it always slowly destroys the host that it feeds on. It drives away productive people. Can you say California, New York, Illinois? But anyway, it drives away productive Colorado. It drives away productive people by destroying incentive and drains away what is left. He says, thanks for your show and uh, the hope that it gives Walter. What do you think of that, Steve? Yeah, I think he's spot on. I mean, he's, we're, we're, and we have a front row seat to just watch it all go by. And back to what you asked about earlier, uh, what, what is the motivation here? And it, it's got to be power. It can't be anything else but power. It is power. And, it's, you know, you end up with this oligarchy. Is that the right word? I think it is. And this elitism that we... You know, we are the few who know what's best for everyone. And the rules don't apply to the elite. They apply to everybody else, but not to the elite. Well, this is maybe a, a not so pleasant aside, but uh, there's a story out there right now about uh, Marx uh, in a group of people. He grabbed a hold of a live chicken and started plucking it. And, you know, and all the while he's talking about, you know, the virtues of communism. He puts the chicken down, and the chicken is obviously in distress. But then he grabs a handful of grain and starts, you know, one at a time throwing them to the chicken. And the chicken is all of a sudden, you know, he's right there. Mm-hmm. And the point is, is that he said, no matter what you do to the stupid people, as long as you throw them some crumbs every once in a while, they'll be, they'll be faithful. Well, and I've heard that story about Stalin. And the one thing that, that that doesn't take into account is free people. You know what? It is Stalin. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, it is free people that are searching for knowledge and will stand for freedom because the chicken is not going to do that. But Americans will. And uh, that's why we do this show is to bring this information to each and every one of you. There are some headlines that we need to bring forward in this next segment. Uh, they, they're almost on the unbelievable side. And of course, one of them for sure is coming out of New York and the other one's coming out of Washington, D.C. Uh, but um, 
Uh, we'll go to those here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurants is one of my great partners, and they are trying to navigate all this craziness between all these different dials. Uh, but Hooters Lone Tree is open for dine-in at a limited capacity. They have to-go delivery and curbside pickup. Uh, the Hooters restaurants in Westminster, Aurora, Loveland, and Colorado Springs have patio dining with uh, heaters, so they're very toasty. And they are uh, also have to-go delivery and curbside pickup. Wednesdays are Wings Day. And so there's specials on that. They have lunch specials Monday through Friday, some kids eat free promotions, and happy hour. For more information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue with some headlines. Third and fourth segment, we'll be talking with Josh Phillip with the Epic Times. Recently, rates in the mortgage market have hit near record lows. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial notes that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has created potential opportunities to refinance your mortgage that could save you thousands of dollars. And for those senior listeners who may be looking for another source of income, exploring a reverse mortgage with Lauren Levy may be a solution. With over 17 years in the mortgage industry, Lauren Levy has the experience to answer your questions. Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881 for a mortgage checkup today. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there as well, and you can uh, email me at kim at kimmunson.com as well. I just realized, Steve, after I had given Walter's quote that I had not given our quote for the day, and that's James Madison. James Madison was uh, really understood the importance of property rights because without property rights, whether or not it's physical property rights or intellectual property rights, without property rights, there's no economic or political freedom. And James Madison was a statesman, diplomat, uh, philosopher, founding father. He served as the fourth president of the United States from 1809 to 1817. He's noted as the father of the Constitution for his pivotal role in drafting and promoting the Constitution of the United States and also the Bill of Rights. He was born in 1751. He died in 1836. And he said, that is not a just government, nor is property secure under it where the property which a man has in his personal safety and personal liberty is violated by the arbitrary seizures of one class of citizens for the service of the rest. And uh, so he's noting, actually, that's what a democracy is, is when people can vote to take other people's property to give it to other people, Steve. Well, certainly this is not the last, uh, well, not the last time. It's not the first time that we uh, made property rights is the topic of of the show and i can honestly tell you i learn a lot with these so uh, bring it on okay uh, let's go to a couple of headlines that you're not gonna believe the first one is from the new york post and it uh, the title is new york gop congresswomen blast nancy pelosi's new house gender rules dominant female republicans derided and mocked Speaker Nancy Pelosi's proposal 
to eliminate gendered language from the official house rules. Instead of reviving the economy, restoring our constitutional freedoms, and delivering results for the American people, Speaker Pelosi has chosen her debut legislation, which would ban words like mother, sister, and daughter, upstate Representative Elise Stefanik told The Post. Obviously, she is triggered by the historic number of GOP women elected to Congress who will fire Nancy Pelosi once and for all in 2022. Staten Island's Congresswoman-elect Nicole Maliotakis also had words for the new rules. She said there are millions of Americans suffering. Our economy is hurting. Vaccine distribution is lagging, which is okay with me. And Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats are worried about this nonsense, she said. Here's a gender-neutral word to describe (laughs) this legislation. Ridiculous. Can you honestly believe that this is coming, the debut legislation in the houses of Congress, when everyday people, are, their businesses are being taken away from them because of uh, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties' decisions? Can you believe it, Steve? No. And, you know, I asked somebody else this yesterday, yesterday does this, all right, this the battle axe, I'm not going to be polite here, got in <laughs> for another term, if that's the right word, as a speaker. It was a close vote. But she only got it by seven votes. Does that in itself send a powerful message? I mean, are there Democrats uh, in that voting group that some maybe did not vote for her? You know, I I didn't take a look at it exactly where we are. I, I'm not sure if it was just straight down party line or what it was. But the we talk about 2022, But for 2022, first of all, this week is going to be historic week. The Electoral College meets on Wednesday. And as we look at it, I I don't even want to use the word alleged voter fraud. I, I believe that there really has been voter fraud. I think it has been going on for a number of years. And there's, in a way, almost, I want to say there's voter fraud. And then there has been, quote, unquote, air quotes, I'm saying, the legal way that they have been putting in legislation, such as all mail-in votes, such as uh, registering people to vote when they get their driver's license, that has eroded uh, everyday people's vote as well. And so that has really eroded voter integrity as well. So there's things that have been done, quote-unquote, legally, but we what we have seen is desperation the night of the election when they came in and de- uh, had done those big voter uh, dumps because the American people had stepped up and uh, uh, voted for Donald Trump. Uh, they're thinking that legally he he probably maybe were starting to hit 80 million votes the way that they had switched those votes around. If, in fact, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and apparently Joe Biden has been referring to it as the Harris administration, Steve, yeah, he can't get his act together in terms of putting titles out there that are correct. But if, in fact, uh, they are inaugurated, you can uh, you can bet day one they are going to go to work to erode everyday hardworking Americans that uh, their votes, and it'll be through I think additional voter fraud, but it'll also be through packing the Supreme Court. Uh, it'll be through executive orders. 
It'll be through um, making the Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states because they think that they'll get uh, additional Democrat uh, representation, which then at that point they will stomp all over the U.S. Constitution. And so this is a critical time for our country, Steve. Last Sunday, um, I called a friend who used to be here in, in Denver. He went back to Georgia, where he was originally from, after mm-hmm. the, the job ended. And I asked him, I said, uh, okay, I, I want to get a snapshot of what's happening in Georgia, and I know I can't get it from the uh, major media, so tell me what's going on in Georgia. And his response was very muted. Uh, as much as he's you know, a conservative guy, he says, I, I think that, that what's going on, the boots-on-the-ground type of look is people – are still in shock of seeing the way that their vote was abused and basically discounted, and they just don't seem to have much enthusiasm. Even though they, they, they've got to know. They mm-hmm. said you can't watch TV without being bombarded by ads from both sides, but uh, the enthusiasm is just not there. Uh, and I, I hope that everyday hardworking. Georgians and Americans will step up and vote because we saw last week, I'm not sure that it's on the uh, outline this week, but that there was a judge in Georgia that reinstated a number of of, uh, votes that really couldn't be proven. Now, I can't remember the exact details on it. Sorry, it's a Monday morning here, folks. But, uh, and it turned out that it basically, again, eroded people's votes. And this was, uh, help me out, Steve. And this was Stacey Abrams' uh, sister who was the judge. Oh, you had to bring that name up. Yeah. I saw something. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to steal your thunder here for a second. <laughs> Cooking dinner last night. Had the tube going and was watching the end of the Bronco game. And I'm probably going to hear about that. But uh, the late night show, David, well, not David Letterman, uh, Colbert. Mm-hmm. advertising every other b- commercial break. Stacey Abrams is going to be his guest tonight. And oh, I thought, wow. oh, my gosh, this is the queen of dysfunction and uh, wrongdoing, and we're going to make her out to be a celebrity. Mm-hmm. I, it just made me furious. I know. Sorry, sorry to cut in on that. No, no, I, that's important to know. Um, I want to mention one other thing. This is from Sarah Carter. And uh, it says, there is a New York bill that is seeking to allow the removal and detention of people who come into contact with viruses. And it's a proposed bill in New York which would allow for this removal and detention who are carriers or come into contact with any virus that, in the opinion of the governor, may pose an imminent and significant threat. It says the governor, which is Como, can detain people based on merely a reasonably specific Description. This is so antithetical, to, um, uh, uh, Steve, to the um, the Constitution. It says the Orwellian Bill A four one six gives the governor the right to, after determining in his or her opinion that the virus is a threat, order the removal and detention of such a person or group uh, by issuing a single order. A clear issue with the legislation is that it allows for the detention of anyone since one would not have to be sick, but merely deemed to have been in contact with someone who contracted the said virus. All, of course, is determined by the governor and his or her opinion. 
And uh, it says, upon determining by clear and convincing evidence the health orders is or may be endangered by a case, contact or carrier, or suspected case, contact or carrier of a contagious disease. And then it just kind of goes on with that. It says, to take it even further, the bill allows for detention of people based on a description, meaning a, spe- a specification by name is not necessary for Governor Cuomo to send his people in and swoop up any poor soul who was within a distance of any virus. Identifying such persons either by name or by a reasonably specific description of the individuals or group being detained, such a person or group of persons shall be detained in a medical facility or other appropriate facility or premises designated by the governor. Whether the state of New York will grant Governor Cuomo and his future successors the right to arbitrarily kidnap anyone that potentially came into contact with the virus will be seen in the coming months. I can't even believe I just read that, Steve. Well, throughout this ordeal, and you know, we're quickly coming up on a year, um, one of the, the most gut-wrenching things is that you can't get your feet on solid ground, whether it's Fauci or the king here in, in, in Denver. Um, the, the, the information is always fluid, and you can't really get your head around it. You can't make a solid stand on what you as an individual choose to, to do or what sh- should you do. So it's just another another chapter in the book. Well, and it is by design. Uh, really, when we look to our elected representatives, we are looking for uh, them to be making decisions based on foundational principles on real data, on real information, this should put the fear of God in each and every one of us when we look at what is happening there. And people are fleeing New York. Yeah. But by gosh, when you flee to another state, don't vote for people that do this kind of stuff, right? That's already been identified as a, a, a very obvious uh, situation that is happening. Yes, they, fl- they flee or they fled California, but they continue to vote just like they did when they were in California. Yeah. They haven't figured it out. Yeah, well, we need to make sure that we uh, stand as a bulwark on that. Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. It is 2021. Uh, welcome. How are you doing? What's the markets thinking about this morning, Jason McBride? Well, it uh, looks like we're at least going to start the first few minutes of the year off positively. The Dow's futures are up over 100 points. I didn't see any specific reason for it. So, uh, you know, we'll see if that lasts throughout the day and if it's a harbinger for the whole year, Kim. But, uh, you know, I think as, as we move forward, it's very important to make sure that you have a, a plan in place uh, to understand kind of where you are. Uh, most people are investing, Kim, because they want to continue to have a paycheck when they're retired and if everything's just kind of a hodgepodge and you haven't you know really looked at it what are my expenses going to be uh done a good thorough plan which is more than just entering a couple of numbers you have to really look at everything and and see what it looks like Uh, i think that's kind of doing yourself a, a disservice and doing a good thorough plan with uh you know one of our wonderful advisors at presidential i think could go a long way to get you where you want to go well and just a quick question jason because i've thinking been thinking a lot about it this weekend because of these printing of money these big stimulus bills it seems like inflation is going to have to be something that people consider as they're working on their portfolio as well yes 
You know, Kim, I don't know. Um, honestly, uh, we've heard that for an awfully long time as, uh, you know, we, we've watched the value of the dollar kind of decline. And, of course, there has been inflation, but uh, folks are, uh, you know, the, the thought of, like, hyperinflation, like what happened in Zimbabwe and some other countries, uh, you know, has has been a concern for a long time. And, and as of yet, it still hasn't happened. So uh, I think that's a really tough one. I don't know how you defend against something that might get that out of control. Uh, a lot of people might say that you buy gold. I don't know if that's the answer. I know uh, some folks think uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin may help, but I'm not sure if that's the answer either. So uh, that's one that I admit I am somewhat stumped on and not sure what the answer is. Well, and that's uh, we do have a lot of things that are uh, known, and you certainly want to plan for those. And, Jason, I know that you guys are, are ready to do that. We've had a lot of really – you have a lot of great nuggets of information every morning. People reach out to me and say they really appreciate that. So, Jason McBride, we'll talk you, to you tomorrow. You can reach Jason at 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason, have a great day. You too, Kim. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Josh Phillip. He is a senior uh, an investigative reporter, award-winning with the Epic Times. He's host of Crossroads. And uh, we'll be talking about this very important piece that he has, uh, his interview with Paul Kingor regarding the abolition of private property, which is at the core of communism. We'll be right back. Karen Levine has over 30 years in the real estate industry. The reaction to the COVID-19 Wuhan virus is presenting unprecedented and unpredictable opportunities and challenges in buying or selling your home. That is why you need to work with award-winning realtor Karen Levine. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Karen's expertise will help guide you through this crazy real estate market. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516 today. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And sign up for our weekly newsletter there as well. On the line with me is Josh Phillip, and he is a award-winning investigative reporter with the Epic Times and host of Crossroads. He's a recognized expert on unrestricted warfare, asymmetrical hybrid warfare, subversion, and historical perspectives on today's issues. His 10-plus years of research and investigations on the Chinese Communist Party, subversion, and related topics gives him unique insight into the global threat and political landscape. Uh, Josh Phillip, welcome to the show. Hey, always a pleasure, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, Happy New Year. We're in 2021, and uh, some of these headlines that we're going through, Josh, I can't even believe them. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, interesting times, to say the least, right? Well, most definitely. The first thing I wanted to talk with you about was this piece that you just did uh, regarding um, Paul Kingor and the abolition of private property is at the core of communism. And, Josh, what I see out here in Colorado, 
with uh, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties using rules and regulations to shut down our restaurants and our bars and our taverns or restrict them and have it on a moving target. They, they can't figure out exactly, are they open, 25% capacity, outdoor. And we are seeing businesses, their incomes have gone down 50, 60, 70%. They're, they're poss- we have businesses closing. And um, what I'm seeing is the abolition of private property when this is happening. What's your thoughts, Josh? Fully agreed. And I'll tell you, Kim, my big concern is what the say, trajectory of all this is. Because one thing I've been pointing to, I mentioned on my show, I've mentioned in some other interviews, is if you understand this whole thing from the perspective of China, that China, of course, you know, let, allowed the virus to spread outside of China, whether it was man-made or not. Uh, they restricted travel inside China, but allowed travel outside of China. And then they weaponized politically this virus. Now, Different governments around the world have used the lockdowns for different political purposes, like governors changing election laws and so on. The big question is, is why do we have the lockdowns? Well, the lockdowns, these were based on the China model. And the WHO, the World Health Organization, was promoting it based on the information the Chinese Communist Party was presenting to the world, which turned out to be a lie. And regardless of that, we've used this method that really doesn't have any clear evidence that it works. In fact, I'd say evidence, well, literally evidence suggests that it has the opposite effect, that areas with harsher lockdown policies like California actually have greater spreading rates of the virus. So the question is, why are they keeping the, uh, businesses locked down? Now, this is where it gets interesting. Based on my, just based on what's happening, right, if they're following the China model, China right now, the Chinese Communist Party, is basically trying to reinvigorate communism. They're launching this new Mao-era purge within the Communist Party itself, and they're starting a new model to basically roll back all the economic reforms that took place under uh, Deng Xiaoping, which was when China, you know, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. became capitalist, you know, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is, is they're pushing this mixed model economy of public-private businesses. In other words, the state is taking over partial ownership of all the businesses. And if we understand what's happening in the U.S., where really governors and different, you know, mayors are strangling out capitalism, essentially, how are we going to, you know, quote-unquote, build back better? What will the model for that be? Well, my big concern is that we're going to do something like what China's doing, where government bails out businesses or gives partial ownership, to, does partial ownership with businesses, in order to basically help them, you know, get back on their feet, but doesn't fully let go of maybe new control measures. You know, it's so interesting that you would mention public-private partnerships. Um, I was on city council 2012 to 2016 in my community, and that was a favorite term of many politicians was we're going to be doing public-private partnerships. And I, I never felt comfortable with that. Because it seemed to me like government was picking winners and losers on who would get those partnerships. It seemed like the private in, um, component of it was taking uh, on a lot of the, um, or excuse me, it was the, it was the taxpayer that was taking on the risk of these private, uh, public-private partnerships. And then now you're mentioning those same terms in reference to China. It's like a big light bulb's going on here. I'm, I'm like, this wasn't a good idea. But you hear that a lot in government right now as we are doing pub, uh, public-private partnerships. Well, you know, when we think about communism and socialism, 
I mean, these when you think about you know seizing the means of production, it brings this Maoist, you know, Marxist kind of like imagery to mind, and you know, Soviet gulags and this kind of stuff. And it feels very distant. But the way this can be done, and the way it's being done by a lot of by a lot of totalitarian regimes, sorry, around the world, uh, doesn't always take that form. Now, let's just look at it from another perspective. Uh, who owns the means of production? If you think of manufacturing, if you think of supply chains, if you think of, uh, for example, ports of entry, well, it's China, right? Who controls the world's factories? Who controls the world's natural resources? China's going to the, you know, Australia, Latin America, so on, uh, buying up all these different mines, buying up all the natural resources. Who controls the means of production? And if you understand as well, even in the U.S., for example, the way that we have inflation, the way the banking system works, the way the debt system works, uh, do you really own your house? Do you really own your car? Um, what happens if you don't pay, you know, your, say, state land tax or property tax, you know, for, for a few months? What's going to happen? Who, who really owns private property here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you look back in terms of how these things developed, um, really, these were from the get-go socialist policies that were brought into capitalist systems, and really, I'd say the idea of seizing the means of production uh, is really, unfortunately, very, very advanced right now. To the extent that, as you mentioned, um, you know, it, it eliminates the ability to compete eventually, where the only option you have is to allow, say, partial government ownership in order to survive, and from that point on, it's a real I think, downward slope. Okay, Josh, I was reading your piece last night. I would recommend that people go to the Epic Times and pull this up. A couple of things. I've asked a number of different people if they've heard about this uh, Great Reset. And it's and most people don't. It's like I've been watching this for a while, and I'm going to have a guest on next week to talk about that. But how the... A coronavirus reaction has been, quote-unquote, this big reset on how humans live. And it's coming out of the World Economic Forum. And and this is uh, one of the, the pieces or the things that you're bringing up in this piece is that the World Economic Forum has predict, predicted that in 2030, that's in nine years, that people will own nothing and all products will have become services. And then it has eight predictions there, which I clicked on, which are terrifying to me. And then you also were able to source uh, these people that go to Davos, and there was over 2,300 of them. And I started looking at the list, and it's uh, many of the um, CEOs or founders or co-founders across the world, but many U.S. companies. And it's almost like this is surreal to me, Josh Phillips. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you when when people started telling me about the Great Reset and stuff like that, you know, I was like, oh, maybe it's a conspiracy, and who knows? But you know, my my take on these things is I, I typically regard things as possibilities. I, I don't say true or false until I go and look into it. And I went and looked into it, and it's it's real, it's true. These people are talking about this, and very powerful people are talking about this. And it is true that they're looking to basically restructure the way that society is run, including, as you mentioned, directly stating that they believe that private property is going to basically be gone within nine years. 
And that, that should terrify everybody because what you're looking at is not the idea of, let's say, you know, global equality or something like that. Maybe, maybe they'll try to create it. No, this is, this is tech, techno uh, tyranny. You're, you're going to have companies like these big CEOs you mentioned basically being the ones who are the oligarchs, the ones who control all the natural resources, the ones who control all the businesses, the ones who control pretty much all the finances, and the rest of every, you know, everyone else just being the serfs within their system. Um, you know, when, when you talk about socialism, right, people think, oh, it's equality and this type of stuff. Now, you, you always have a ruling class. And socialism in that form doesn't always exist just in terms of big government. It can be, for example, big business as well. And, and I think for a lot of people who follow socialism, you know, these ideas, they oftentimes get in this idea that it, it somehow opposes big business. But if you look at all the different socialist and communist regimes, which one of them has ever gotten rid of big business? It, it in no way gets rid of the factories and the manufacturing and these types of things. In fact, even Marx and Das Kapital ends with this vision of this high-tech you know, tyranny, essentially. Um, it, it in no way gets rid of these things. All it gets rid of is the ability for people like you and me to engage in it. Uh, I, you know, I've talked to some friends as well about even globalism. And, you know, I have Chinese friends. And they, they find it terrifying because they say when, when you hear these words, they're new to us. But if you grew up in China and you hear globalism, the first word that comes to your mind is the communist international, right? The Soviet international like they had it. They, this is the exact same thing they were doing under the Soviet Union, just under a different name. And so what we see right now is just these same systems of tyranny, these same systems of big business, big government working together uh, to pretty much seize the means of production and seize wealth from folks like you and me. And, you know, no matter how we try to frame it, this is what's happening. Well, it is what is happening, and it's astounding. Um <clears throat> Josh, I'd like to go to break because you are an expert on China, and we've had several different interviews. I always learn so much from you. But you had felt very positive uh, with the way the Trump administration, Donald Trump, had identified this threat to everyday American people and was standing against it. We have not really talked uh, since all of this has come down regarding the election and so let's go to break. And, and when we come back, you also had a video regarding this special evidence that's being prepared for the January 6th electoral vote. And certainly want to get your read on what is happening there and also what can we do as everyday Americans on this. So this is Kim Munson. I'm talking with Josh Phillips, or Josh Phillip, and he is with the Epic Times. Uh, and just really important information bringing, that we're bringing forward here. Before we go to break, though, Castlegate Knife and Tool is one of my great partners, and they are located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. They are a family-owned business, and they have knives from the best blade makers from throughout the world. And so check out castlegate.com. They're bringing in some really new, uh, cool watches as well. But go to castlegate.com for more information. We will be right back with Josh Phillip. Predovich and company understands that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has individuals and businesses scratching their heads with a variety of bookkeeping, tax planning, and accounting questions. Predovich and company knows that you need trusted professionals to help you navigate these choppy waters. Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and company. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and company can help clients anywhere in the United States. 
Call Predovich and Company at 303-791-3000 to organize your personal and business finances. Call 303-791-3000 today. Now more than ever, it is important to have independent voices bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing us, our families, our communities, our state, our nation, and our world. The Kim Munson Show is one of those important voices. Kim is a truly independent entrepreneur. She purchases her broadcast time, which gives her total freedom in production of the show and scheduling of guests. If you'd like to support The Kim Munson Show, go to her website, kimmunson.com and click on the contribute button under Kim's picture. Kim greatly appreciates your help and support. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there as well. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And I have on the line with me Josh Phillip. He's an award-winning investigative reporter with the Epic Times. He is the host of Crossroads. And Josh, you are becoming one of those very well-respected journalists in our country. People are trusting you. And you said something interesting in this last segment that when you are presented with an idea, you don't immediately, and I guess I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, you, you don't immediately judge it, yes or no, you go and research that. And that is really what journalism is supposed to be, Josh. Yeah, fully agreed. And, you know, it, it's tempting to, you know, for example, you hear something that sounds far out, just write it off. But, you know, I, I think the way I try to work is I put everything in the realm of possibility until I can prove otherwise. Um, and you know, I, I think that's a good way to go about things. It, it, it's worked out for me. And I, and I think that the ability to believe in, you know, that maybe something you don't think is possible could be possible um, is one of the basis of, invest- of investigative journalism. Because oftentimes investigative journalism is things that are pretty dang far out sometimes. Um, even, for example, my research on the Chinese Communist Party and front organizations, when I first encountered this, I'd, I'd never heard of any of this. And frankly, it, it, it was very hard for me to believe at first. But, of course, through investigation, all of it's shown to be true. Josh Phillip, one of our interviews, we were talking about Donald Trump and his standing up to China and that you had said that it was kind of the first time that you had thought that there was some real hope in slowing down what was uh, happening with China and as they were encroaching upon you know globalization. Things with the election, I'm very concerned the trajectory that we're headed on. What's your thoughts? Well, the Trump administration has not let up on the Chinese Communist Party. They recently sanctioned the first Chinese official for the persecution of Falun Gong. And that is a shot over the bow for the Chinese Communist Party because there's almost not a single CCP official, I mean, there's very few of them, who have not gotten involved in some way in that persecution. It's a persecution, torture, re-education through labor, you know, slavery, essentially. Uh, live organ harvesting, you name it, that has targeted over 100 million Chinese people, and not to mention their their friends and families. Um, It is a genocide, one that has affected pretty much the entire society. If one of them, if one of these CCP officials has been sanctioned for it, that is a message to all of them, every CCP official, that they could also face sanctions. That was a huge move. Also, the Trump administration just recently put sanctions on and even extended the sanctions to sub, uh, sub, subsidiaries of 
uh, one of the Chinese Communist Party's big chip manufacturers, not Huawei, another one. And that is the death, this is the death bell right now for the Chinese Communist Party's high-tech economy. Now, the CCP is reeling right now. The CCP's ability to continue right now is really, really questionable. But I, I do believe that if Biden gets in, he, he, I mean, just in terms of policy, his only policy written on the Chinese Communist Party is that he would encourage them to have better environmental standards when they do their one belt, one road initiatives, going to other countries, getting them in debt traps. That's about it. Nothing about and human rights or anything like, like that. No. And Kamala Harris even criticized Pence during their debate, uh, saying that the Trump's policy, the hard, the hard policy on China was, you know, failing and all this stuff. And so they're very likely going to try to reverse all the Trump policies on China based on what I'm seeing, based on what they've been saying. And if that happens, we are going to see basically a revitalization of all these CCPs, um, different moves, different programs. And really, it does seem that they're interested in basically undoing uh, the harsher policies that Trump had on China that are really bringing an end to a lot of the CCP's abusive practices. And I want to make one other point is the the human rights component of this. You just said that China was uh, affecting 100 million people with this um, and when you say organ harvesting, people can't even believe it. I mean, you just can't believe that that would be happening. But to 100 million people and that this would be reversed. So that brings us to this uh, video that you did regarding two days from now, January 6th, Electoral College. What do you think is going to happen, Josh? Well, so right now you have dueling electors from seven states. Of course, if you read most media, they say Joe Biden is the you know president-elect. Well, that's only if you count the governor electoral votes. If you count the dueling electoral votes, actually Trump would be the president-elect. But at this point, it's not fair to say either. It's actually not accurate to say either. Um, Trump has the state legislature electoral college votes. Biden has the governor votes. And really, we're going to see this play out. In addition to this, you now have, I think, 12 senators saying they're going to contest the vote, Republicans. Uh, You also have think more than 100 House members saying they're going to contest it. And if you have one House member and one Senate member, it goes to a two-hour debate. And the Trump administration has said, or Trump campaign has said, that they are going to, through those debates, present all their evidence. Now, what's 12 times 2? 24. Uh, 24 hours of debates, Trump administration, or Trump campaign presenting evidence on election fraud. This is going to be very interesting. This is not going to be one day. This is probably going to be maybe three or more days if Pelosi doesn't try to step in and basically stop it. And there's also the wild card that people are pushing Pence to basically just throw out some of these electoral votes. Um, it's going to be very interesting. But keeping it in perspective, and this is, I think, the big picture here. Actually, technically, January 6th may not be as consequential as we think, because if, let's say, Biden wins, Trump is not going to concede. And let's say it switches to Trump. Biden is very likely not going to concede. This means that it's going to go to about January 20th. And really, there's many in terms of the Constitution, there's many different ways this could play out. Um, I highly, highly doubt either of them would concede. And one of the possible outcomes of that would be uh, finally a state-by-state vote goes to the House, state, le- state representative from each state. Um, 
50 votes determines the president. Very likely Trump would win on that. We'll have to see. Uh, but that, that's the very likely that's very likely going to be the outcome of this. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with it. There's many different ways it can be interpreted. But in terms of January 6th, the real impact is these debates, because the whole world is going to be shown the evidence on election fraud as this plays out. Now, you said 24 hours. How do you get to 24 hours of debate on this, Josh? Uh, Twelve senators, uh, over 100 House members, I believe, say they're going to contest it. Each time you have one House member and one Senate member contest it, it goes to a two-hour debate. And so each of them, 12 of them, senators at least, uh, two hours each. If there's not more, who knows? Uh, you're going you're to be going on for about 24 hours. That is... Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, 24 hours. Yeah. And so let's say if some additional senators would step forward, because you've had all these House members, you'd get another two hours for each of that because they match up, correct? Am I understanding? Okay. Okay, Josh. Well, that gives me, I hadn't really understood that. One thing, mentioning this this whole thing with Mike Pence, and that he could step in and, and do something on that, and I would only support that if, in fact, it was constitutional. Because if we start to do things that are not constitutional, then, you know, that just plays out into the future. So is your opinion on this this thing about Josh or uh, about uh, Mike Pence, do you think that's constitutional or not? It, it, well, so there's different interpretations of the Constitution. In the original Constitution, yes. Uh, there was an amendment made to the Constitution, I think, in the 1870s, I want to say, late, 18, late 1800s, uh, that basically changed the way it was done. A lot of people think that was unconstitutional. Um, the, the lawsuit by Louis Gomer. Uh, was to repeal that. Pence did not like that. He asked that that got thrown out. It did get mm-hmm. thrown out. Um, I do think Pence is very by the book. And frankly, I don't think it actually matters. Um, again, if neither of them concedes, technically the electoral vote may not be as final as we would like to think it is. Again, very likely in terms of constitute, the Constitution, this is not going to end until January 20th. And the end result could actually see the electoral votes cast out. In fact, previous in history, previous examples of this, uh, you've had candidates who lost the electoral college vote and the popular vote who won, uh, just in terms of the way the Constitution can be interpreted. Um, so we, we've seen this happen before in history. We've never seen it happen on such a large scale in history. We have seven dueling states, uh, you know, dueling electors, but yeah, Technically, according to the Constitution, this would still be constitutional. I really doubt Pence would do it. Okay. Josh Phillip, we've got just about a minute and a half. This is absolutely fascinating. Uh, My mind is just on fire with all the things that you've said. What is the final thought that you want to leave with our listeners? I I hear, I feel hope in your comments. What, what, What do you say to our listeners? Well, there's a few different parts to pay attention to. First off, there was, there was, whether you like it or not, massive election fraud. In fact, at Epoch Times, I just did a big investigative documentary on this. You can find it on my channel, Crossroads. It's also at the top of the Epoch Times homepage. Um, looking into, it's called Who's Stealing America? And looking into all the different allegations of election fraud and really finding, yes, these do stand. On January 6th, and if it plays out longer, the world is going to watch as the evidence on election fraud is presented. And I urge everybody to pay attention to the evidence on that. 
not only that, but uh, Ratcliffe is in my own research, the you know, director of national intelligence, and my own research has shown that, yes, without a doubt, the Chinese Communist Party had a very big part to play in interfering with our elections. And I know people are numb to this foreign interference stuff because of this whole Trump-Russia you know, thing for so long, but without a doubt, on a very large scale, the Chinese Communist Party interfered in our elections. And I really think evidence on this is going to be shown. Okay, so pay attention. Josh Phillip, it is just great to have you on the show. You are with the Epic Times. I'd recommend go to the website. There's all kinds of important information. And he is uh, one of those true journalists here in America. So, Josh Phillip, thank you so much. Hey, pleasure as always, Kim. Thank you. And our quote for today is from James Madison, and I was just thinking about this most recent stimulus bill, 5,000 pages, and James Madison said this. He said, it will be of little avail to the people that the laws are made by men of their own choice. If the laws to be so voluminous that they cannot be read or so incoherent that they cannot be understood. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.